Welcome to the Estates Made Simple podcast. My name is Jenna Carvello with Guardian Estate Company, and I'm here with co-host Gordon Vanderleek of Vanderleek Law. Uh, looking forward to this discussion today, Gordon. I am as well, and uh, maybe a, a bit of a disclaimer at the at the outset uh, that the information we talk about on all our episodes, and this is no exception, is information only. It doesn't represent any advice or the establishment of a uh, professional relationship that requires a retainer and a meeting and gathering ID. Uh, but we hope that everybody finds this to be useful and might frame a question you might have for your um, the professionals you're working with in your estate. So uh, with that uh, with, with with that legal caveat out of the way, uh, let's uh, let's talk about missing beneficiaries. I like the title you have on this, Jenna, in our outline, which is. Where is Uncle Joe? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that maybe thinks about it. Okay. Maybe most people go, hey, I know my family. I know where my family is. But when you, certainly in many estates, right, you get into scenarios where assets are, are property in the estate is gifted to a particular beneficiary. So it, it might be a specific item, but uh, I've certainly had, had estate situations where it involves one of the residual beneficiaries, right, or somebody who otherwise by law has an interest. It gets interesting, particularly in the context where somebody doesn't have a will, they die intestate. Mm -hmm. And the law says, well, the, these group of people that are related biologically um, to the deceased person are entitled to their estate. Well, how do you find those people? Because there may not be people in, in the life. So it can come up both in the context where you maybe have a will that was a bit dated and wasn't kept up to date and somebody was a was a friend at some point in time and is no longer and can't be found, right? Or what about a relative um, in an intestacy situation? So I think that's what we're gonna talk about today and uh, look at how do we how do we find these people? How do you find Uncle Uncle Joe? And I think uh, <laughs> Jenna, in your role as a as a trust officer, you probably ran across this or had some struggles trying to find some people. I know we've had some cases that we'll talk about and some solutions we've brought on files in the past. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe uh, share some of your experiences and some strategies or things you employ to try to get a hold of uh, Uncle Joe. Yes. Well, and I think this is an interesting area of estate administration. It can actually be quite fun to to be that private investigator hunting down, you know, missing beneficiaries. But uh, the one of the first steps, of course, the obvious solution is to look online, uh, Google, newspaper articles, um, anything that might give a clue of where the beneficiary resides. There's a lot of information online, um, even to the extent of social media profiles. I know that yeah. um, with one estate that I was involved in, I had to actually create a Facebook profile to try to contact um, who I thought was the beneficiary of, of, you know, who we were looking for. Um, and she ended up living in a country with very limited freedoms and not have access to internet on a regular basis and telephone on a regular basis. So we communicated through Facebook and we maybe got a response from her once once a month or once every other month. Um, but that's that's how we tracked her down and that's how we were able to communicate with her. So it's it's you know being being creative in your approach and not necessarily just the standard letters or or emails that you you think of when you're communicating with someone. Um, you know, the other obvious is is to speak to family and friends, old neighbors, um, where the deceased or perhaps the missing beneficiary uh, worked. There could be lots of clues um, 
with previous employers. Maybe they have an address on file or maybe they know where that person, you know, went to after they finished employment. Um, so any anyone in that circle that may have information on the beneficiary, you know, you have to talk to and and prove that uh, you've gone down that avenue of trying to find the beneficiary. Um, and then, of course, you know, you could put a notice in the paper of possible in possible cities or on the internet in possible areas that you think the beneficiary You see that every now and then, right? Where you yeah, see you the do. notice, you go like, why are people doing that? So if you ever saw those notices, if you're still consuming media on in paper format, like uh, looking at the at at the the local newspaper, you see those those ads, right? Usually in the same spot as the obituaries, uh, those those notices saying anybody knowing anything about this person, please contact, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it can. It, it's interesting that it can be a challenge, but I appreciate your your comment with regard to social media, um, because if somebody is wanting to be careful about, well, or doesn't necessarily want to be found or known, sometimes they, they they're pretty liberal on what they put on social media, and you you know <laughs> that that you can you can get some valuable clues about where to look for next, or you can see who their friends are. Um, and you contact the friends, like you say, or employers, yeah. and then that leads you to some some further investigations. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, if if all of those steps don't work, I think one of the last resorts and probably the most beneficial is finding a private investigator to assist one or two, as yeah. as you had mentioned in our previous conversations, Gordon, um, yeah. that you can hire someone to do all the hunting. And they have the tools and resources and and ability to to find you know missing people. When I've hired them, it's one of those areas where you go, I don't even want to know how they find out <laughs> about people. <laughs> they probably have their ways, um, but they seem to be able to find people where you can't, right? So that is definitely a good option. Explore other options. And, and you've you've highlighted some important ones to go through, but particularly if you're getting into the legal matter and you may be preparing for ultimately getting a court order, it would be really important evidence before the court to have the report of the private investigators because they're skilled at what they do and and would be uh, where it would be important to to have that evidence in hand and and hopefully they could actually find the person right so they yeah. can. Uh, be able to say this is where you serve or suddenly they find the person who then goes, oh, sorry, I didn't know I, if I'm part of the estate. Uh, now now maybe they will start communicating. For the most part, if if the communication is you have an interest in a deceased person's estate, they're going to go, oh, money. I, you know, now suddenly they'll, if they were off grid, they will come on grid and figure out a way to communicate because they're wanting to enjoy that, uh, that check that will be sent to them. Uh, oh, of or, course. You know, so uh, but in some cases, uh, what if all that doesn't work, right? That that it's not that uh, somebody's trying to be avoided, but you just simply, you know, what, what what do you do if you can't find somebody? So I think point number one would be certainly if there is a will, you have to look at what the terms of the will are, because oftentimes there's a provision in the will that gives some direction as to how long um, an executor has to spend to try to find somebody. Right. So a little more difficult if you're trying to go to court, you know, if, if the rule is you have to look for two years and you're trying to go forward at at 13 months. Well, you got ex some explaining to do as to why you're not waiting the two years, because that was the direction from the, you know, from the testator in the will. Um, I know in our wills, we often say one year. That seems like it's kind of long enough, but and oftentimes the states, it might take a, 
a year to sort of wrap things up and before you're ready to do a distribution in any event, right? Uh, I think going two years is a little bit too long. I mean, that just holds up the estate that much longer, but read the document, right? And find out what is what is going on. But ultimately you may need to get the direction of the court and the Public Trustee Act does give authority for the, um, for the Office of the Public Trustee, so a branch of the provincial government to receive monies from an estate where there is a missing person, right? So if you go, well, we know the person is out there, but I need to wrap up the estate. As an executor, you can make an application to the court to have the public trustee hold that money. Then they'll respond whether they agree with that or they're willing to accept that or not, but then you can have a court order. And the nice thing from an executor's perspective is once you have a court order, you can in fact be sheltered from liability with regard to somebody coming forward, the missing beneficiary three years later going, how come you didn't, you distributed without um, taking my interest in the estate into account? So that's the the, the problem from an executor's perspective is the will gives a direction and they're trying to do something different than what the will says. So in those cases, you want to have a court order. Um, so there's legal authority for the executor to, for example, pay the money to the public trustee. And then eventually if that person shows up, they go to the public trustee's office um, and receive the money. So it's it's almost like the, the government becomes the custodian of it. The government's not going to go away. The public trustee will always be there. And, and so then they'll, they'll, deal with, uh, they'll deal with that. Another interesting option, if you know the person is around, but you just have, you, you can't find them. You've got several, in, you know, reports from investigators. Uh, sometimes we refer to them as, you know, skip tracers, uh, people who can try to find beneficiaries. And there are people who do this for a living. Uh, so and they're, how, they're how up... fun would that be, though, as a Wouldn't side it? note? Like, how fun would that be as a job? I wish my mother had said, you know, you should go become a skip tracer uh, rather than the <laughs> lawyer. Uh, but but yeah, it would be it would be a fascinating, a fascinating job. But in some unique circumstances, you can go to court and have the person declared to be predeceased for purposes of dis. dis distribution in the will. There is an old case called Re Benjamin from 1902, the Court of Chancery in England. And we actually had occasion last year to be able to go in front of the court and use that old English case. And it is it has been accepted by the Canadian courts. There was a reported decision in Saskatchewan and and in for on in unreported decisions here in, in Alberta, but we were successful. So there is an option where if you want to, as an executor, complete the distribution of the estate, you can get a court order to say, not that the person is deceased, right? You got to distinguish between sometimes those insurance cases where you're trying to get an order that somebody is deceased for a payout of insurance. But for the limited purpose of distributing the estate, you can get a Benjamin order from that 1902 case. It's been referred to now as a Benjamin order. And a Benjamin order says, for purposes of the estate, we want to treat the person as being deceased. And that allows the executor to distribute the estate according, uh, according to that. So the factors the courts are going to look at is well, what, how much money are we talking about, right? And how much effort has the executor undertaken to actually find the person? So having evidence of everything you spoke of earlier, Jenna, would be part of an affidavit that I would put together. So that's an important first step. You can't go straight to court, right? You need to do that. And in fact, in referencing the private investigator in that case, we hired two private investigators uh, and both said they could not find this person. So therefore, we got the order and now we were able to wrap up the estate. And, you know, I think that sort of makes sense. It was an intestacy situation. So this was kind of a long lost sibling, but 
there had been no contact for, I think, like 20 years. Looking at it from an age perspective, there was a pretty high probability the person probably passed away. We just couldn't find them. They, you know, they, they obviously this was from an era where there was likely she wasn't on social media and all those, all those other things, given her age or projected age. So we were able to get that order, but we needed all that evidence. But it is, so it's for a limited purpose and it's relating to the estate. It's called a Benjamin order. And so that might be something to think about if you're stuck with that problem, get some legal advice on, well, can I get the person declared to be predeceased in that circumstances? And then obviously each case is, is very specific as to what the outcome is, but it was an interesting option. And uh, I thought when we were prepping the outline for it, I wanted uh, to mention it. It's It seems a little esoteric, but yeah, it is certainly possible. The reality is family members sometimes lose touch with each other. They're no longer part of somebody's life. So it's, it's important to consider from a planning perspective, and there are some tools available to deal with this so the estate can be wrapped up in a timely manner. With all that discussion, Jenna, what you, some thoughts and ideas with regard to best practices? I mean, what would you, you know, what kind of recommendations for our listeners or viewers would you, would you have as, you know, reflecting on the topic of finding Uncle Joe? Yeah, well, I think from a planning perspective, if you're contemplating drafting your will, um, you know, you alluded to it, make sure your documents are up to date. Don't leave it for 20, 30 years because your beneficiaries might be gone um, by that time. And then your executor has this issue that we've been talking about. Um, so that's one. The other one is um, putting a clause in your will, as, as your firm does, um, indicating that if the executor tries all avenues to search for that missing beneficiary for one or two years, then the executor can go ahead and just distribute the estate without that beneficiary contemplated. So that gives a couple of different avenues without having to go to court and, and you know, accrue additional costs and, and time to uh, to deal with the missing beneficiary. I, I think those are, those are good recommendations. The other one that I've seen that I'm doing more of late is encouraging clients to have that spreadsheet and the contact list of all mm-hmm. the beneficiaries, particularly if there's quite a few in the will. They've, they've, they're listing nieces and nephews, right, in maybe a family demise clause or in some set of circumstances. Well, does the executor know all the nieces and nephews? That would be a heck of a lot of work to try to find that. But if there was an up-to-date spreadsheet, that we have a really good starting point and it might save a lot of costs in the estate and executor time. If yeah. you just had in your wills file in the filing cabinet, here's the contact information for all the beneficiaries that are part of my estate. Assuming it's being planned ahead, it's a little different in a in the context of um, an intestacy. So yeah, as you said, point number one is get a will because then you can define who gets it. Because if you leave it to intestacy, it might go to people you don't even know, but they're yeah. distant relatives. And how's how's the administrator going to find that person? But if you are putting your affairs in order, just have that spreadsheet, right? Because you have all that information, but when you become disabled or you pass away, that all goes with you. And is the executor going to be able to get into your computer and, you know, or how hard is it going to be to get into your computer, to get into your address book? Would it be helpful to have that list available? Um, you have email addresses, cell phones, um, address information, all of that's going to require be required for the probate uh, process anyway. So it's it's of great use to have that available in the hands of your executor. So just documenting that in addition to all the other things you want to, information you want to pass on to your executor would be really, really helpful. Uh, I just received one the other day and it was, I was thankful to take that spreadsheet from the client and put it in her file, right? So if something happens to her, I'm going to be able to pass that on to the executor. So that's, it seems kind of mundane, but think of that as knowledge that you have 
that you need to pass on to the right people so they can do their job more efficiently, which, you know, less time on the file for the executor should translate into reduced costs, uh, which is more money for the beneficiaries, right? Uh, so it's all, it's, you know, it's a, it's a nice gift for the executor to provide him the information. If you want to leave it to nieces and nephews, well, tell them who those are. Right. You can even go a step further to within the will define when I say nieces and nephews, I mean these people, right? And and be very specific about who you want in in that in that scenario. So that, that I I would add, but I think those are some good practices to adopt to ensure number one, if you want to leave money to Uncle Joe, let the executor know where to find Uncle Joe and 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 make it a little bit easier a uh, little bit easier for him. But if that's not the case and you find yourself having a missing beneficiary, yeah, I'd say consider the how you can use social media and other and other tools like a like an investigator to try to find somebody or then ultimately obtaining the uh, the direction of the court. Yeah, and if you hate your executor, don't leave them any information. Let them let them we stew should do that. in we the should unknown. We make like a, a, a top ten list of you know things you th- nasty things you could do to your executor. That would be on the list, right? Yes, I would. Maybe that's a good episode uh, episode topic for next time. Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, um, a, a good discussion. I think we've kind of wrapped it up and said what we need to say. So to our uh, listeners and viewers on YouTube, thank you for listening in. Hopefully there's some value in the topic. And if you need any assistance, reach out to either one of us with any particular uh, questions. We'd be happy to answer them. Um, if you don't want to miss any episodes, do subscribe. We do watch those numbers. And we, as you said from the outset, Jenna, we want to help simplify the world of estate administration. So that means we need the followers and people to listen to this. Or if you think this is going to be relevant, relevant to somebody, send them a link to this episode and share the information because that uh, helps us in our goal of reaching more people with this type of information. So uh, until next episode, thank you for listening and uh, thank you for joining me in this discussion, Jenna. Thank you.